0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Today is Pentecost. I'm excited to give you a Pentecost message this morning. And I've entitled this morning's message, Why Pentecost? Why Pentecost? I want you to, if you can... I want you to throw away everything you've learned about Pentecost, your paradigm, what you think Pentecost is, what you've been taught, everything for a moment. Just indulge me in this for the next few minutes, because I want God to give you something fresh this morning, and perhaps your, your revelation on Pentecost is accurate. I hope that it is, uh, but let God speak to you this morning about Pentecost and why Pentecost, because a lot of people don't, they don't know what it is. Pentecost in most churches won't even really be a celebration. It'll just be a little speed bump, maybe in passing. And I find that so many times God can't teach us something new because we're stuck in something old. And it's really easy to get stuck in a rut when it comes to teaching and revelation and and things that God wants to show us. We have to be willing to go to God's Word and let the Holy Spirit teach us what He wants to out of His Word. I don't believe that there is anybody more misunderstood than the Holy Spirit. In fact, I hear the Holy Spirit referred to as it, as a force, some kind of power. And yet the Bible says in Ephesians, it says, grieve not... The Holy Spirit, whereunto you are sealed until the day of your redemption. In fact, let's just read that together uh, because I think it's really important. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I've never seen a force yet grieved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So this is God's spirit, not just a spirit floating out there somewhere. With whom? Not what, but whom? Talking about a person with whom you were sealed. For the day of your re- redemption. Do you know that God never leaves you nor forsake you? Do you know that God is always there? Do you know God is omnipresent? Do you know that God is with you through the trials and, and, and through all everything that you go through in life? God never ever leaves you nor forsake you. He says, I'll be there till the ends of the earth. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So how is God with you in everything that you do, every trial, every situation? Even when you're sinning, he is there to rescue you and get you you out of that uh, predicament. How is that possible? God sent His Spirit in the fullness of time. He sent His Spirit to be with you as an ever-present person in time of need. The Holy Spirit is the person of God, the Spirit of God. So when we talk about Pentecost, firstly, I want us to get who the Holy Spirit is. Because I believe it's the cry of all of our hearts. More than just to understand something, it's to be understood. If somebody would just understand me. And of course, you know, many of us get married, and it's our desire that our spouse, our lifelong partner gets us, that they understand our quirky personalities, our sense of humor, our lack of it, uh, whatever it is, our idiosyncrasies. We just want somebody that gets us. Well, God wants us to get him. Have you ever thought about that? If that's the desire of our hearts, how much more is it the desire of God's heart would, if somebody would just get me, if they would just understand me? And that's a quest of a lifetime. It's a quest that leads us to today, the day of Pentecost. So I want us to have fresh ears and fresh, fresh eyes because for so many people, Pentecost remains a mystery. It won't be celebrated because it's not understood. The day that we understand Pentecost is a day that we step into a deeper revelation of understanding of who God is. Today, there won't be gifts exchanged. There will be no public holiday. A lot of people didn't even attend church today. Uh, Would never miss Christmas, however. Would never miss Easter, however. So why is it that Pentecost isn't treated with the same celebration, the same importance, the same respect, if you will, as Christmas and Easter? Several years ago, I was sitting in my living room thinking about Pentecost Sunday coming up and what I was going to preach about. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said this. He said, what would happen, and where would you be if there was no Christmas, like what we celebrate for Christmas Well, we know we sing a song, Emmanuel, God with us, and on that that first Christmas, if you will, the Son of God was born in Bethlehem's manger, and they celebrated because God with us, Emmanuel means God is with us. They had Jesus, the, the embodiment of God. God in the flesh, if you will, walking with them on the shores of Galilee and healing and touching people. And if you could touch him, you could get your miracle. But he was one person walking with them. What would happen if what's represented at Christmas never took place? Well, we would be back in religion, wed to the law. He came and he died on a cross and then, then God spoke to me, what would happen if I didn't go to the cross? And, and if what we see as Good Friday never took place, what, where would you be? So that's a good question. I'd be dead in my sin because you wouldn't have paid the price on, on Calvary's cross. We sing about the cross. We celebrate the cross. We know what that means, and, and so we should. Where would you be if I never rose from the dead if, if what we celebrate as Easter Sunday never took place. that In other words, on the third day, I didn't raise from the dead. Where, where would you be? Well, be lost in my sins. If, if you weren't raised from the dead, a dead Jesus does nobody any good. If you just went into the grave and died on that cross and, and were buried and never came out of that tomb, where, where would we be? If Jesus never rose from the dead, you'd be hopeless, hopelessly dead. And then he loaded this question (laughs) and hit me with it. And I want to hit you with it today. Where would you be if there was not a Pentecost? Where would you be if what happened in Acts chapter 2 never happened? And most people treat their faith as if it didn't happen. Christmas, hoo hoo! Christmas trees, holidays, chocolates for Easter, celebration, party, churches packed out on those, those big events Christmas and, and Easter, Pentecost. Why don't we celebrate Pentecost Sunday like we celebrate Christmas and Easter and even Good Friday? Why Pentecost? What's the importance of it for you right now? Well, I want you to stay with me on this because the importance of Pentecost is not subordinate to Christmas and Emmanuel, God with us. It's not subordinate to the cross and what he did at Calvary. It's not subordinate to Easter Resurrection Sunday. Some 3,600 years ago, The nation of Israel, it wasn't actually a nation at the time, but a people. The Hebrews came out of Egypt. And 50 days after that, and Pentecost means 50 days. 50 days after that, at this event 3,600 years ago, it's in Exodus, and we're going to read it in a moment. God's people were freed from slavery. Now, we know that Egypt is a type of sin, and we came out of that, most of us here. And if you haven't, you'll have a chance to come out of the bondage of of your past of sin and get liberated and get saved as Jesus is your Savior. They came out, but they weren't yet a nation. They were a people freed from the slavery of Egypt, but they had yet to become a nation. And so we pick it up in Exodus chapter 19, in verse 16, and I'm going to emphasize certain words here because this is a type or a shadow of what's going to happen for them 1,600 years later, 3,600 years later for us, roughly. It says, on that morning, on the third day, there was thunder and lightning. Now, I want you to see this because Moses has climbed a mountain called Mount Sinai, He's up there by himself. Joshua's about halfway up the mountain. And all the people are celebrating down at the base of the mountain on this day. And there's thunder and lightning going on with a thick cloud over the mountain. And a very loud trumpet blast. I want you to say this with me. A very loud trumpet blast. There was no wind, but there was a sound. A sound. A very loud sound. I think Gabriel was tuning up. Everyone in the camp trembled. Imagine a sound that was so loud that everybody at the base of the mountain is shaking and trembling because of this. Now in the Torah, the trumpet is a signal to advance against God's de- enemy. The blast of the trumpet summons the attention of the people. This is important. The blast summons the attention of the people it calls people to join together and to advance as one and then verse 17 then moses led the people out of the camp to meet with god and they stood at the foot of the mountain mount sinai was covered with smoke because the lord descended on it in fire somebody say fire come on fire, fire. so we got a trumpet blast, a sound. We got fire going on. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of the people answered him. What Moses did on that mountain was he received what we would call the Ten Commandments. He received the law. Now the significance of that cannot be underplayed and it plays into its significance in Pentecost because a nation is not a nation until it receives its law. We've got a nation here, the nation of Australia. You might be listening online from other countries and, and you've got laws that govern that nation. It's what makes it a nation. So when the law was given to, on tablets of stone, it was given to Moses. And, and then it's all expounded in, 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 uh, in the book of Leviticus and all through the, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books. He goes into great detail. What, is, what are the natural laws? What are the quarantine laws? What, what are the civil laws? All, all of the, what, what are the criminal laws? All of this constitutes the making of a nation. So it was a people that were liberated from slavery, but they had not yet become a nation because they had to have a law. That law was given on Mount Sinai uh, on the the day that we are celebrating now some 3,600 years ago. And Peter writes this in 1 Peter 2, 9. Concerning us as a spiritual nation, they became a natural nation. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, Egypt, in other words, into his wonderful light. Now, with all of that as a background, stay with me. I want to go to Acts chapter 2. This is what we would call the day of Pentecost. The significance now, we've laid a foundation. Now, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together together in one place, and then suddenly, a sound. Everybody say a sound. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Not a wind blowing through, they're in an upper room, there's 120 of them, there was no wind in the room, but there was a sound blowing through that room. I wonder what that sound was. Like a violent wind. I used to play the trumpet back in um, grade school. And it took a lot of wind to blow that thing. <laughs> you got your lips have to pucker up and get tough. Otherwise, you can't, you just can't blow that trumpet. But there's a sound that comes out of that that's deafening once you get the hang of it. But that sound has significance. It had significance, like I said, to them, but it also has significance to us. A lot of people When it comes to Pentecost, they major on manifestations. They think the meaning of Pentecost is what we're about to read here. They think that the meaning of Pentecost is manifestations. If you focus on manifestations, you will miss the meaning of Pentecost. Now, manifestations are significant, they, they represent something that's very powerful. Manifestations are awesome. I like to see God manifest in various ways, but the meaning of Pentecost is not the manifestations. People get lost in that. I don't want us to get lost in the manifestations. I want us to find out what is the meaning of these manifestations that are taking place here. So a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven... And it fills the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of what? Come on. Fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. This is important. Each one of them. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not a force. Not tongues. Tongues. Not a manifestation. They were filled with a person, the very Spirit of God, as we would say, the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, in Judaism. Pentecost is celebrated as the Feast of Weeks, W-E-E-K-S. And it's celebrated 50 days or seven weeks in a day after the Feast of Firstfruits. fruits celebrated that the very first of the harvest was coming in, and so they blessed the first, and, and so that happened. Easter is what we would, uh, 50 days after, basically on a Christian calendar, Easter... So Jesus, the Bible says this, Jesus is the first fruits of all of us, of all the rest. Pentecost is celebrated again 50 days after that. It marks the start of of the wheat harvest. You say, why Pentecost and what's that all about? We're we're about to find out. Because wheat in Scripture represents believers, believers in Jesus, so now verse 5, this part gets missed when people read through this. They tend to focus on the manifestation of tongues. Uh, most preachers get it wrong, says there's a violent wind in the upper room, the hair all blowing everywhere. That's wrong as well. Just got to read the Bible sometimes, not make up stuff. <laughs> now the wheat. Okay, again, 50 days after the day, uh, uh, what we'd celebrated as Easter. After first fruits is this day now in Acts 2. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. Everybody say wheat. wheat. Every nation under heaven, wheat. That's what this is about. And they when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Do you know how personal God is? That he can actually speak your language, and you're here this morning, and, and I know many of you, and you speak different languages because you come from other countries. I know we've got Swahili here. We've got Fijian, uh, Solomon. We got People from all over the world are part of City Church. In fact, our vision is to grace the nations. Why? Because that's what this is about. Our vision is raising generations, reaching nations. That's that's our mission. That's what we're on about. And I love this because that's exactly what God was on on about back then on the first Pentecost. The tongues were the the dialecto, actually, in the Greek. It was that they heard them speak in their own dialect. They're gathered from all over for this feast of weeks, from all over the known world, Jewish people from all over coming together in Jerusalem on a mountain, on Mount Zion. And they hear in their own language and in their own dialect, they hear about the wonderful works of God in their own language. Pentecost. Pentecost. Why Pentecost? Pentecost. They heard the sound, they gathered together in verse 7, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, the, the, the ones that were, were speaking this out, the disciples were speaking it out in, the, in their own language. If They're from Galilee. And then they go, uh, but we hear in Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Etc., etc., visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians, Arabs, they heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, <laughs> What does this mean? And today, Pentecost Sunday, people are still asking the same question. What does this mean? Some say it's just all about tongues. Some say it's weird and wonderful and wild and crazy. Some say it's an extreme form of Christianity. Some say, some say, some say. What does God say? I want to know what God has to say about this. God says it's about wheat. It's about all of my people getting a personal word from me, hearing my voice in their language, in their dialect. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 people, Peter gets up, and 3,000 people get saved. What is that? That's the week coming in. He gets up and he preaches that to them, and he tells them what this is about, and 3,000 people, imagine that come forward out of that whole uh, crowd of people, they get saved. Pentecost is about wheat. It's about souls being saved. It's about people being healed in their marriages and the outworking of having God with them. So what if that never happened? Where would we be? We would be wed to the law. We wouldn't have a personal God on the inside of all of us. Now, we'll look at that in in, uh, more depth, but look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. So Peter gets up. Why Pentecost? What's the meaning to us today? Peter's going to tell us. Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Why Pentecost? What is Pentecost all about? Peter's about to tell us. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only the ninth, it's only nine in the morning. They're so getting up there, and they're, they're, they're speaking languages. Some of the people, they, they know it if it's their language. Everybody that's not their language, they don't know it. So it's like, who are these idiots babbling on and on about and all these different languages. These people aren't drunk. Pentecost is not about some weird happening, some extreme behavior. They're not drunk as you suppose. It's nine in the morning. no. This, this is what Pentecost is. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people before that there was one Jesus in Galilee and if you were lucky enough to touch his robe or, or walk the shores with him then you had God with you but after he went to the cross and died and rose from the dead and went to heaven there's no God in the world for you personally until this day comes on there and then God says this fulfills something amazing because now you got your personal Jesus you got God on the inside of you. everybody everybody has God God now. How good is that? Oh, it's just Pentecost. Uh, what are you doing for Pentecost? What, what what? kind of question is that? Just for some denomination or some weird sect. God spoke this to me as well. He said, if you're not Pentecostal, what are you? What are you? If you don't personally have God in your life, What have you got? Got religion. In fact, if you look at the word Christianity, Christos, Christ means the anointed one. It's the the Holy Spirit that came came upon Jesus. But we're Christians. We're followers. It was uh, not really an endearing term. Antioch, they called the they called these believers who were formerly known as the way, they called them Christians. In other words, they were little Jesuses, little followers of the Christ. But when you add anity or ianity to Christ, which is a noun, whenever you add anity to a noun, it takes it into plural. It means lots of of that, whatever that noun is, which means lots of Christians. Before this day, there was only one, the Christ. Before this day, the Spirit of God was not poured out upon all flesh, so there was no personal Christ in each person. Before that day, there was God out there somewhere, and everybody prayed and hope that the God of the universe would hear them, and maybe, you know, somehow uh, they'd have a prayer answer. Before that day, where would we be? We'd be alone. Where would Christ have been? Before that day, he was single. On that day, he was wed to you and I, his bride. Christ became plural. Christ's Christianity became now. All of us corporately, all these people from every nation gathered together under heaven, heard in their own voice a personal message to God. And Peter gets up uh, and he said, this is what was fulfilled. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people, sons and daughters. Young men will see visions, old will see, will dream dreams. Upon my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, they will prophesy. That's so inclusive; he covers every base, socioeconomic servants. No matter what, 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 uh, whether you're a servant or, or a ruler. Young and old and male and female, nobody's excluded on that day. Everybody has the very spirit of God, God himself on that day poured out upon all flesh. So where would we be without Pentecost? No Pentecost, no bride. We'd be wed to religion, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, which is where, sadly enough, So much of the church is today because they don't understand what happened. So why Pentecost and what does it mean to you this morning? Because of Pentecost, number one, you have a personal promise from God. God promised to send his spirit into the earth. Jesus said, it's better for you if I go away. How could that be? How could it get better than having Jesus walking with me? He says, it's better for you. Because if I don't go away, I'm not going to send another of the same kind, the comforter, the helper, your guide, that will be with you always. That means through every situation and every trial that you're going through. I know that some of you here are going through intense trials. Some of you that are watching online have got loved ones that have, have terminal diseases. Uh, some of you have financial crises. Some of you have relationship crises. Uh, some of you are just going through hell right now. But you're not going through it by yourself, male and female, young and old. Socio, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, you have personally got the spirit of God. Why Pentecost? Why? Wow. We should go, wow, Pentecost. That's amazing. Personal God. I shared this once, and it was, I thought it was a, a good illustration. It's worth sharing again. But there's uh, three words that you don't hear today, hardly ever. It's because of, it, of an invention called the mobile phone or smartphone, whatever you want to call it. <sighs> the phone would ring. You'd be at home. Pick it up if you're a parent and you got a teenager. It's never for you. It's always for them. It's always their friends. Could you tell your friends to quit calling so much? I'm tired of answering the phone for you. And these three words would come out of your mouth as you handed off the phone with the cord on it to your teenager. <laughs> it's for you. You don't hear that anymore. Why? Because every teenager pretty well in the world now has their own smartphone, so they don't have to go through mom and dad anymore to get a phone call. They don't hear from mom and dad. It's for you. They just pick up the phone and personally answer the phone, and they personally talk with whoever it is that rang them, and without going through mom and dad, on the day of Pentecost, it's always for you. You have got personally communication with the the God that rules the universe. You don't have to go through somebody else to get to God, and God doesn't have to go through somebody else to get to you. You carry him around with you like you carry that mobile phone around. You've got personal contact communication, no matter what the trial or the circumstance that you're going through right now. Because of Pentecost, you have a personal promise. Number two, because of Pentecost. You've got a personal presence. I've shared this already, but without Pentecost, you'd be without the presence of God in your world. You'd be crying out to the universe to save you or something. Acts 2.21, and everyone, everyone who calls, everyone who calls, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just the prophet, the priest, the king, the special few. If you were there, you met. you know, otherwise you missed it. Everyone. Pentecost is everyone who calls. It's a day where everybody got their own direct line to God, their own personal presence of God anytime. Anywhere, No matter how difficult the problem, no matter how difficult the situation, you have almighty God on the inside of you. God who is infinitely more than that circumstance that you're facing is now on the inside of you, so you are not facing that thing by yourself, having to, having to go through some priest or somebody else. Number three, why Pentecost? Because of Pentecost you have his personal power. First promise, second presence, third power. See, if it wasn't for Pentecost, you and I would be left to our own power, which quite frankly wouldn't even be enough to snuff out a birthday candle. Because of Pentecost, you've got power now. Have you discovered that power? I would hope that today, because today is Pentecost Sunday, that today you would wake up to the power that resides on the inside of you, that today you would wake up to the person of God who promised so much. You've got personal promises, personal presence, but you've got personal power. Look what Jesus said in Luke 24, 49. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, But stay in the city. (laughs) Wait there. Stay. Stay. Stay in the city until what? Until you have been clothed with power from on high. God didn't leave you an orphan. God didn't not fulfill his promises. He keeps his word. God didn't leave you without his presence, and God does not leave you powerless. He, he clothes you with power from on high. Power has purpose. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus talking about what's about to take place here with Pentecost. He says, you will receive, come on, everybody say it. You will receive power. That word power is dunamis, where we get dynamite from. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit's not a power. He's not a force. He's a person, but he comes with incredible power. It's the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep way back in Genesis 1 when the, the whole world with, was without uh, form and void and the Holy Spirit created something amazing that we're still marveling about today called this, this earth. When it comes on you, you will be my witness, witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what's the purpose of this power? See, some thinks it's so we can have manifestations in meetings. All for it, nothing against it, don't mind it at all. I want to see manifestations of healing break out. I want to see prophecy. I want to see all, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a, in a meeting. It's, it's, it's incredible when, when God breaks out like that. But Jesus says here, you're going to receive power. And here's the purpose of this power. You will be my witnesses. Now, the word word witnesses means martyrs. It's your life that's the witness. It's not what they witnessed. See, they walked with him, and they witnessed him doing miracles, and they witnessed him going to the cross, and it's a little bit like a court trial. They get witnesses that saw the crime or whatever it was. These are the witnesses that observe this. This is not what that word martyr means. It means now, this is not that you witness something secondhand. You observed it. You will be the witness. You can witness to people. But this is talking about not witnessing to people, just sharing your faith, getting a bullhorn out, yelling at people in a park. This is about moving through life. Every every second of your life, every position that you take at work and in your family roles and and, and in a church, of course. But it's moving through life so that when people look at you, they witness the power of God because God is on the inside of you. That's what Pentecost is all about. With the promise comes the presence. With the presence comes the power. Not about some weird thing. It's about you moving through life. It's a living demonstration. Look at me. You'll see Jesus. You'll see God at work. You'll see the power of God when you look at my life. But here's something I think it's worthy. The power doesn't flow until you go, the flowing takes place in the going. A lot of people think, you know, I'm just going to sit there. I'm going to come show up, sit in a pew or chair. Where's the power? Why why, why aren't we seeing God move? Because you got to get up off your seat. That's why. It's when the, the flowing gets, is to the going. When you go, the power starts to flow. If you don't go, what do you need power for? What do you need power for? Really? If you're gonna sit there and not go across the street to your neighbor or or share your faith, or or you see somebody sputtering and coughing and they're sick, obviously, and you just watch that and think, oh, I'll give you the name of a good doctor, like nothing wrong with that. But if you're not gonna lay hands on the sick, if you're not gonna witness to your neighbor and share your faith, if you're not going to stretch out your hand and believe for something, what do you need power for? What a waste! That'd just be a waste of power, and that's where the majority of the church, not this church, but churches in general, powerless because the flowing goes to the going. We, You need it when you go, so don't go. What do you need it for? You are living letters. You witness, but you cannot be a witness until until Pentecost has hit you, I've got a few scriptures here just in closing, but Ephesians 119, out of the Passion translations, listen to what Paul says. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of the immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. Did you get that? He prays for the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of the immense power. In other words, you will be a witness. Witness me. You'll witness the power of God moving, and people will know that there's a God by your life. I know I'm preaching. I can't not preach. It's Pentecost. Ephesians 2.17. Listen to this Passion Translation. Throughout the coming ages, Paul says, we will be the visible display. What's Pentecost? Why Pentecost? What's it about? You will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. See if Satan can convince you that you're powerless, that, that, that what happened at the cross and Christmas, that's about as far as it goes, Pentecost, ah, you know, insignificant. What's it mean? Just weird stuff, manifestation. If God, He sold that lie to the church today, and people back off because they don't want to be included with a bunch of weirdos. But the fact is, it's not about being weird. It's about being powerful. There's nothing weird about the presence of God because God's not weird. But God's incredibly powerful. He's incredibly personal. He he, he is incredible at empowering you to do what you cannot do. That's what the word grace means, that you can walk across rooms, that you can pray for the sick, that you can share your faith about what God did in your life, that you can open your mouth and you can start to prophesy and speak into situations and declare what God has to say about that situation, not just what somebody else has to say but anything that, that has power demands responsibility. See, if you want an adult privilege, strength, power, you have to have adult responsibility. You can write this down. When you become someone powerful, you will do something powerful. You have to be to qualify to do This is not about jumping up and down like jumping beans in a meeting because the worship or the music is pumped. The power to do all things means the power to be all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's not going to remove the opposition in your life. He's going to empower you to cut through it, to face every bit of it, not by yourself, but because of Pentecost. He'll face every bit of it with you so are you ready this morning to put on your Pentecost? Because the Holy Spirit presence brings the Holy Spirit power. I'm going to close with this scripture, but Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine how, according to his power that is at work, Within us, So quit asking God to come down upon you and start seeing God rise up from the inside of you because on Pentecost, it was a game changer. You don't have to call for, oh, God, you know, send down your power. No, rise up, oh, powerful one who's on the inside of me. That's what Pentecost is all about. I'm excited. Why don't we stand together? I'm out of time. Come on, stand up. Anyone, anyone can put on their Pentecost. I want you to make these declarations with me. Say this after me. Say it with some conviction, church. Come on, let's celebrate. This is a great day. This is an awesome day. Let's get the revelation of this. Say this after me. The Spirit of the Lord Lord is in me. me. His His presence is in me. His power is in me. With my mouth, I will speak life into dead situations. With my mind, I think good thoughts. God's thoughts. Thoughts of grace. Come on, say it. In every situation God gives me the ability the power to do what I can't do with my faith I believe the best of everyone in every situation I receive God's power to go anywhere to reach anyone, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Spirit-filled, I'm Spirit-led, I am a powerful witness of the reality of Jesus Christ in the world, amen and amen. Well, everybody's standing, and I'm conscious that you might be here. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. That's. You need to get saved. Say, so saved from what? Saved from your sin, every, everything that's causing you to miss God's perfect will and God's mark. And, and the starting point of that is to turn away from yourself, your selfish ambition. That's what sin is. And turn to Him. This is a simple prayer. I invite you to pray it with me. And if you're watching online, same thing. It's to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. What he did at Calvary's cross, he did it for this point in time where you could hand him your sin, your selfishness, and let it be nailed to to the cross with him. Give your life to him. And then I'm going to invite you to be spirit-filled. If you haven't given your heart to him, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I turn from doing it my way, from my sin, to your salvation. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I give you my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city church.net or email us your feedback at infocity at church.net.